0: prayer defeats demons. Wisdom is granted by prayer. In the Bible, barren wounds were opened up because somebody prayed. you for joining Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. We welcome all of you joining us by television, or those of you joining us at airjesus.com. So delighted to have you tune in with us today. And I'll share just a little bit of humor before I begin Um Somebody asked me if I had a joke today. I said, you all about to exhaust all my jokes. I'm I'm running out of jokes. (laughs) But I'll share this one. A woman walked up to a little old man rocking in a chair on his porch. And she said, I couldn't help but noticing how happy you look. What's your secret for a long, happy life? He said, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I also drink a case of whiskey a week. I eat fatty foods and never exercise. That's amazing, she said. How old are you? Twenty-six, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And I just want to use as a subject, Today, prayer power, prayer power, prayer power, prayer power. In verse 16 there in James, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And i want to read a few other translations of that. Um, another translation says, The prayers of the righteous have a powerful effect. Another translation says, The prayer of a righteous man can bring powerful results. The Amplified Bible says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available that is dynamic in its working. And so we're talking about prayer power. Prayer is mentioned seven times in this passage and I believe it's mentioned so many times to remind us of the power of prayer, not to underestimate, take for granted prayer. I believe sometimes, as Christians and people of God, we've been in this thing so long, sometimes we're very casual about prayer. Sometimes we're really half heartedly praying, we don't have believe it's going to happen. And, and sometimes, you know, when you've been in this for a while, you can just find yourself going through the motions. But I believe in the book of James, it mentions it seven times there just to remind us that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. And he gave an example. He says, Elijah, who was a man just like us. He was not a divine being. He was not an angel. He was human. He was just a man with weaknesses, with sin, with faults, with shortcomings, just like us. And it said this man prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years because of the prayers of one man. And then he prayed again, and it rained immediately. Here's a man that's controlling Something going on in the heavens. And so, folks, our prayers have more power than we realize. Our prayer has more power than we realize. And so often we take it for granted and we take them lightly. We throw them around, not realizing the power that God has invested in the prayers of the righteous. So prayer is power. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. I read a Russian proverb that said this, that gives this advice. It says, before going to war, pray once. Before going to sea, pray twice. Before getting married, pray three times. <laughs> but prayer is powerful. Somebody said make that four times. <laughs> Somebody said pray and keep on praying. (laughs) Prayer is powerful. You find that throughout Scripture and throughout life that prayer changes things. Prayer not only changes things, it changes us. Prayer in Scripture calls the dead to come back to life. Prayer in Scripture calls those who were sick to be healed. Prayer in Scripture calls the sun to stand still for over a day. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes hearts. Prayer defeats demons. Wisdom is granted by prayer. In the Bible, barren wounds were opened up because somebody prayed. Prayer is power. so we're talking about prayer, turning say, we're talking about prayer power. Prayer power. Prayer is, is powerful. Don't give up on prayer. Never stop praying. That's why the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Jesus said all men should pray. Men are always to pray. It's powerful. It, it produces power that is dynamic and is working. It produces some powerful effects in our lives and in the world today. And if there's ever been a time, folks, that people need to pray is now. It's prayer time. It is prayer time. I believe we need to go back to some old foundational things like prayer, not only in school, but prayer in homes. Prayer, we need to pray, pray, pray. Times are difficult, times are hard, and like never before, I believe that God allows things to become difficult just to make us pray. Because some of us wouldn't pray if God didn't make us pray. And so things get tough in life, and if For no other reason. It causes us to pray. And there's something powerful when you pray. When you pray, God is on the other end. God's on the other end of the line. So it connects us with an all-powerful God. And the reason prayer is powerful is because it connects us to the all-powerful God. And it's really God who's powerful. He just happens to be on the other end of our prayers. And it makes our prayers powerful. So it's a time A time to pray. Pastor Nathaniel left me a voicemail this morning and he was telling me about his best friend that had the massive heart attack and how it was just really day by day. And he said his other best friend was on his way there to help him stay with his best friend during the night at the hospital and they were going to alternate shifts and he said that his best friend was due to be there to relieve him. And he said his best friend called him and said, he said, I'm not going to be able to make it. He said, my mother just died. And so Pastor Nathaniel, he said, he said, it's a lot going on. And I, it's a, and, and you can just tell that it's, folks, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. It is time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Prayer is powerful. It brings us back to some basics. It brings us back. To connecting with God. And at the prayer visual uh, that we just completed here at the, at the church, you could feel the power of prayer. It did three things. It, it made us be still. Made us be quiet. And it made us wait before the Lord. Made us be still. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 46.10, it says, be still. And know that I am God. I kind of coined the phrase, praying on the run. A lot of us have been praying on the run. Been praying on the run. Just so busy that we have lost the art of stillness. Just praying on the run. I'm guilty of it myself. A couple of days a week, I pray on the run. (laughs) That's why I would coin the term, praying on the run. So busy, you don't even have time to pray. You are too busy. Busyness has become an enemy to the things of God. And so this prayer visual caused us to be still, caused us to get quiet. The world today is so noisy with all of the distractions that we have from your cell phone to your home phone to TV to cable to satellite to your computer to your MP3 to your CD and all the other threes and CDs and other electronic gadgets that are there. It's hard. It's hard to even be quiet. Hard to be quiet. But we should be still. We should be quiet. The prayer vigil taught us to be still. It taught us to be quiet. And then the third thing it taught us was to wait. Now, in this fast-paced society that we live in, it is difficult to wait. Nobody wants to wait. Everything is in a hurry. Everything is made faster. But when you're dealing with God and when you're dealing with prayer, you have to learn to be still. You have to learn to be quiet. You have to learn to wait. Whatever happened to waiting on God? Waiting on God. Anybody familiar with with Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. It said those that wait. Those who wait. Those who wait. What about Psalms 27:14? Says, "Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He'll strengthen your heart." Wait on the Lord. That was a word called "wait" in the Bible. It's in there for a reason. We got to learn how to be still, how to be quiet, and how to wait. How to wait. And we have, we've defined the word wait. I've heard several definitions. I know it means to expect. It means to look for. means to serve. It means to wait, too. We've defined wait every other way except wait. It means to wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. I'm serious we, when i looked at the word i, I saw all kind of definitely i saw everything except wait wait a minute. and the bible uses the word wait wait on the lord the old folks used to do that they used to wait on god they used to wait on god if you want power in your prayer you got to learn how to be still how to be quiet and how to wait you got to get out of a hurry you can't hurry god God's not a microwave, God. God's a crockpot, God. So you gotta wait. You gotta learn to wait. You gotta learn to wait on God. Be still. Be quiet. Wait on God. Be still, and be quiet. You want power in your prayer. The other thing that I picked up during the prayer visual is that we. Prayed for other people. We weren't here to pray for ourselves. We prayed for other people. And open your Bibles, if you will, to I want you to see something. On the book of Job, the book of Job, chapter 42, the book of Job, chapter 42, and verse 10. Job, chapter 42, and verse 10. Notice this, Job 42 verse 10, it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when when he prayed for his friend. Job was deliberate when he prayed for somebody else. You want power? You want power in your prayer for yourself? You got to pray for other people. Job had to get him, his mind off himself, and God gave him those instructions. God says, Job, I want you to pray for your friends. And the moment Job started praying for his friends, God delivered Job. God delivered Job. God delivered Job. And so so many of us, we've been consuming our prayers on ourselves. Oh, Lord, help me. God, get me out of this jam. Lord, what you waiting on? You know what I'm going through. No, we've been praying all wrong. Get your mind off yourself and start interceding and start praying for somebody else. Start praying for somebody else. Job was healed when he prayed for somebody else. He was restored, his family was restored when he prayed for somebody else. His material possessions were restored when he prayed for somebody else. And the Bible said God gave him twice as much as he had before. I'm sure Job was happy. He prayed for somebody else, and so um, those are some of the keys to having a powerful, powerful prayer. And we noticed that when we we got quiet, and we was when we were still, and when we waited, we noticed that there was just such a peace and a calm and a tranquility that just came over our hearts, minds, spirits, body. There's something so powerful when you connect with God and. Powerful prayer like that does something to you. No wonder Jesus said, he says, those of you who are heavy laden, he said, come to me. Come to me to take my yoke upon. The burden is easy, the yoke is light. And so there's something that is so peaceful and so restful um, when you get involved in connecting with God in powerful prayer. I want to share a couple of uh, wonderful testimonies that I read about prayer power. And I, I'll read the first one. The first one is kind of brief, and the second is a little longer, so I'll read the first one. It says, one afternoon while walking through the lobby of a hotel in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I became aware of a disturbance in one corner of the room. I walked in that direction in, in that casual way we used to check out disturbances in public places without announcing our curiosity. A boy of about four years old, was screaming and rolling around on the floor in some kind of fit. Several people were trying to help the parents control the child. A crowd was gathering, and it was a bad situation. Then the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to pray for that boy for a complete healing. He said, it wasn't an audible voice, but I heard the Lord say this as clearly as I have ever heard anything. I suspected that the boy had Down syndrome. I was astonished. Down syndrome is a genetic defect that always causes moderate to severe mental impairment and physical disability. Every cell in that boy's body had an extra chromosome. Every one of the billions of cells in his body was defective. And I was supposed to pray for a complete healing. But I had heard the Lord. I took a deep and uneasy breath and went over to the parents. I told them that I wanted to pray for their son. I wanted to imply that the idea was mine, not the Lord's, in case nothing happened when I prayed. I put my hands on the child and prayed. He calmed down immediately. I was filled with the sense that at that moment the Lord began to restore him completely. He was. In the weeks and months following that event, the boy's development accelerated. The doctors could not find any explanation for it. When they ran the test, they could find no trace of Down syndrome. I still hear from the parents telling me how well he is doing. That's prayer power. And I want to read this other one. This other one is something I read in a book by John Bevere. And it was a powerful testimony about uh, prayer and the power of prayer. And he writes, he says, I have a friend, a pastor named Tom Slayton. In October 1979, his first evening of ministry, he came home from the meeting only to find his wife crouched down on their staircase, weeping uncontrollably. He knew immediately something was seriously wrong. He soon learned that his 10-year-old son, Tommy, brought a small television set into the bathroom to watch a football game while taking a bath. He accidentally pulled the TV into the bathtub and was electrocuted. Tom found his son. He had no pulse. His flesh was cold and blue, and his eyes were fully dilated, which indicated no brain activity. Tom received paramedic and first aid training while working as a deputy sheriff for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and had witnessed many deaths. If he had walked into a similar situation as a police officer, he would have pronounced the victim dead and called the coroner. Now he was a believer who knew the power of prayer. He started praying and doing CPR on his son. After a few minutes, the paramedics arrived. So Tom left the medical work to the experts while he continued to pray. They were there for 45 minutes without any success in bringing Tommy back. The EKG machine had been a flat line the whole while. The paramedics were now becoming restless for what they thought was a fanatic to give up. Tom finally prayed, "Father." I don't have any more faith. I've exhausted mine. But I know in your word you speak of another faith. He was referring to the gift of faith found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Tom said he felt something like a hand on the top of his head. Once he did, he sensed a very strong Force and authority rise up from within his spirit. And he shouted at his son, you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, the EKG machine started beeping with pulse motions appearing on the screen. The paramedics jumped with excitement. By the time they got Tommy down the stairs and into the ambulance, he had gone from blue to pink. His eyes were fully restored and his body was now warm. Tom was so excited, his son was now alive and well. He also had a great miracle story for all his friends of what God had done. What he didn't realize was the fight for his son's life had only begun. The doctors reported his son was in a coma. After examination, they found kidney tissue coming out of the catheter, which meant in layman's terms that his body had a meltdown. They told him that if his son lived, he would be a vegetable, and later on reported his socially functional age to be that of a three-month-old baby with an IQ of .01. To make a very long story short, after seven months of praying and refusing to give up, Suddenly, Tommy came out of the coma. His father was by his bedside when this occurred and started firing questions to his son, to which he received immediate answers. Tommy went on to graduate from high school, UCLA, and Bible school, all with honors. He was even the senior class president of his high school. He is happily married today with two. Children, we're talking about prayer power. Prayer power. For those of you who are watching my television, I want you to go to airjesus.com. You can hear the remainder of this message absolutely free of charge. Message number 7420. You can also email it to a friend absolutely free of charge. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the word. I want to finish the story. I didn't finish the story. But three days after Tommy was out of the hospital, his father noticed that his son's face was glowing. And he asked, he said, Tommy, what's going on? Tommy replied, Dad, I've been with Jesus. He said, when the TV hit the bathtub, I didn't feel a thing. A huge angel grabbed my right arm and took me right out of my body. We flew through a tunnel at an amazing rate of acceleration. We hit the speed of light before landing on one of the streets of heaven. He went on to tell his father that the streets were not golden, but made of pure gold. He could see through them. On earth, gold cannot be refined to the purity it is in heaven. However, on Earth, many times gold is used in windows to give them a gold color, such as the shield of the older face masks of astronauts, some cockpit windows of jets, buildings, etc. So gold in its purest state is transparent. Tommy shared that the first people to greet him on the street in heaven were relatives who had died. And he named each of them, some of whom he had never met nor even knew their names. However, his mom and dad knew them. There was also in this welcoming group a lady named Phyllis. She was a neighbor whom Tommy's mother, Gail, had prayed with to receive Jesus a month before Tommy was electrocuted. She had died two weeks after her conversion. They were all conversing when suddenly he heard rustling and the group around him split apart. There stood Jesus. The Lord took Tommy on a tour of heaven. There were many streets and buildings. It was definitely a large city. The flowers, grass, and even rocks were all alive and singing in harmony. He said it seemed... As if they were praising God. If he stepped on grass or a flower, it wouldn't crush, but immediately rebounded to his previous position. He noticed the colors were vibrant and bright, much more so than he'd seen on earth. There were even colors he'd never seen before. He also got the privilege of seeing his mother's father's and two siblings' mansions. Then came the shock jesus told tommy he had to go back he didn't want to leave heaven but when jesus brought him to a place where he pulled open a veil and tommy could see his father calling him back jesus then said he is your father and has authority to call you back since that time Tommy has told his father to never call him back if he happens to die again. I found that part amusing when his father shared this with me. But heaven is so much better than earth. I found that those who experience it always have a very difficult time returning. The Apostle Paul also fought this as he said to the Philippian church my yearning desire is to depart, to be free of this world, to set forth and to be with Christ. For that is far, far better. Philippians 1, Not just better or far better, but far, far better. He had experienced the city and wanted to return. But he chose to stay for the good of the kingdom. Tommy later shared with his father... That he wasn't 10 years old when he was in heaven. He had the body of a grown man. Many, including Tommy, believe we will all be 33 years old when we are in our glorified bodies. Jesus' age, when he was crucified. For the scripture says, yes, dear friends, we are already God's children And we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him. This is just one of many real stories I could share. But this one, along with scripture, shows the reality of heaven and the power of prayer. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. I want you to know that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful and heaven is real. Praise God. Isn't it wonderful to think about that heaven hears our prayers? Heaven hears our prayers. God moves on behalf of the prayers of his people. Don't lose your faith and don't lose your hope in the power of prayer. For God is on the other end of your prayer. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Every head bow for just a moment. Just meditate a moment there on that picture of heaven that we got a glimpse of. Heaven is a real place. So is hell. And it is such an awesome thought that one decision we make on this earth will determine our destination. Heaven or hell. And that decision is whether we accepted Christ Jesus to be our Lord and Savior on this earth. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in life. One decision can determine your eternal destination. The sent message number seven four two zero by C. Elijah Bronner to send this message prayer power number seven four two zero. To a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 7420. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often, and keep your spirit charged up.